Welcome to the Exchange for the Exchange podcast, where we exchange ideas about current events, pop culture, and theology. And we are on air, boys. Okay. You are live. For the record, Josh Pinnell is laughing. Nikolai Carpathia. (laughs) So gentle. Wow. I don't even know what Alex is going to say at this point. Boys, we are live. Welcome to the Exchange podcast. We have a very special episode uh, on tap for you guys today. We have our very first guest, Tim. I don't know your last name. It's uh, Campbell, like the soup. Tim Campbell. (laughs) Campbell. Uh, We're going to be interviewing Tim Campbell. He is uh, going to the Pastors College at Sovereign Grace, getting ready to uh, plant a church in Arkansas. Excited to have him. We've got a few other things. Uh, Josh, how you doing, buddy? How's how's life in Louisville? You're just living the dream, man. Living the dream. Great. Dan, how about you, buddy? It's been good. It's been good, Alex. Uh, I went to New York for about five days, so that was pretty fun. Oh. Lots of good food. Met some really cool people. Tim, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. I'm just getting off of spring break. It wasn't really a spring break. It was like reading break. So I had a lot of work to do. So I took a true day off today. Enjoyed the weather. So yeah, man, things are great. Living the dream. Good. Welcome to the Exchange Podcast. Yeah, great to be here. I appreciate you having me, guys. Yeah, well, you uh, beat Ligon Duncan to the chase, my friend. Man, that's an honor. That's an Probably honor. due to my laziness. <laughs> All right. I got this letter in the mail, guys. I want to read it to you. It's a recall letter. Description of the safety defect and safety hazard. The affected vehicles are equipped with a Takata-sourced passenger-side frontal airbag that may be susceptible to moisture intrusion. Over time, that could cause the inflator to rupture when the passenger's frontal airbag deploys in a crash. In bold, if the inflator ruptures, metal fragments could strike vehicle occupants. (laughs) potentially resulting in serious injury or death. Now, what should you do? Parts are not available at this time. (laughs) Okay. You will be contacted when part supply is sufficient, which we anticipate to be by March 2018. (laughs) (laughs) Until this repair is performed, do not allow passengers to ride in the front passenger seat. I eat Alex's wife. But I called them today, and they have the parts, so I don't know. What? what They have the parts? (laughs) Yeah, they have it. A year early. In a few weeks. A year early. (laughs) It's amazing. I was like, I could just die? Like, what happens... Does the does the passenger airbag go off even if there's nobody in the seat? It does. I could have just gotten killed. Was it signed like "Good luck, comma Subaru team"? <laughs> may, the odd, <laughs> may the odds <laughs> ever be in your favor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, I survive until I get it fixed. We should get to the uh, to the meat of the episode. Um, I think we should do the interview first, Josh. If you want to go ahead and take it from here. All right. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so Tim, just tell us about yourself and tell us about you're you're obviously trained to be a pastor right now. Uh, so tell us about yourself and your call to ministry. Yeah, well, first thing I'll say, my last name is Campbell, but I do not own any shares in the Campbell Heritage. <laughs> That'd be nice. Formerly, my my nickname in high school was Soup, 
Um, that's pretty super. That's yeah, pretty so super. I... <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> oh my gosh, this punt. He's a. Uh... Anyways, I'll get to kind of the question. Yeah, so I grew up in Chicago area. I'm a church planter's son. But by, by age 11, 12, uh, my parents got a divorce. And so my dad would, would say this if he were here. He said, yeah, you know, he was married to the ministry um, and not my mom. So just growing up, experiencing that, I was just very much like, man, I don't want to get near the church. Went through high school, would have said I was a Christian, but I was very, very far from the Lord. God actually didn't save me till I was 18. So I went through high school years as a non-Christian and I was pursuing the military and through a series of events, um, I'm partially deaf in my right ear. So I got disqualified from the military with a day before I was going to swear in to become Navy property. And they called me and said, Hey, you're disqualified. And so my dreams were kind of crushed, but, but the Lord saved me two weeks after that. And so, um, so the Lord really used that to, to bring me to him packed my Jeep up and moved to Garden Valley, Texas. Moved down there was a three-year internship called uh, Teen Mania Ministries. Uh, and if you ever heard of like Acquire the Fire, that's what I did for three <laughs> years. A great for... slogan. <laughs> Acquire the Fire. You know, it was kind of a crazy ministry, but the Lord really used it to shape me um character wise it was the first time i had ever heard of what a quiet time was or accountability partner mm. so it's very foundational for me um met my wife there just through my experience there just the lord gave me a huge heart burden for pastoring specifically church planning when i was there um just seeing the the level of need um for counseling and so i really really am passionate about that and so found boys college it's um uh, southern baptist's undergrad Got involved in Sovereign Grace, and that was a life-transforming event for us. As you're training, Tim, I think most guys, they, they go, if they're becoming a pastor, they go to, you know, like a formal seminary, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, SBTS, especially if you're in Louisville, RTS, Trinity, things like that. And, you know, they're in school for five years or so, four years, five years, six years, as they're, you know, working full-time you know, trying to knock out these degrees. Now you're doing something a little bit different, right? Going to the mm-hmm. Sovereign Grace Pastors College. So tell us a little bit yeah. about that and uh, what that looks like. It's a very unique experience. I don't know if you guys have, you know, you've heard of Charles, Charles Spurgeon, I'm sure, but he actually had a, uh, a pastor's college. Um, pastor's college is a 10-month intensive pastoral training program. There's a level of assurance going into the pastor's college that you've been approved by elders to pursue pastoral ministry. So the pastor's college is a next step in your evaluation. There could be a situation where we just find out this guy just isn't called to be a pastor and that we actually want to serve him by by telling him that sooner than later because he can move on, get a different job, you know. So they're really gracious in that regard. Every single week is a different class. So we'll do like missiology one week, then we'll do evangelism, we'll do systematic. We have six systematic classes that kind of break them up really small. And mm. next week we got an exegesis week. You're not allowed to work at all. So you have to raise support for the entire year. So it's basically 10 months of one week block classes, it sounds like. That's right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And you're in there from the beginning of the day <laughs> to the end of the day for 10 months straight. You're off on yeah. Saturdays. You go to church on Sundays. Next week starts, you're into class again. 
That's right. Yeah. So we'll have like on average, uh, like 300 pages of reading a week on top of Greek every morning, you know, you either have a final exam or uh, like a paper to write um, for your class. And you have seven days to complete all the work. So this is a very different kind of training. Uh, it sounds like, you know, you're, you're basically getting what most people get in the, you know, a few years of seminary into one year in a local church context. So you're, you're going to be church planning in Arkansas coming up later on this year. What, what's going to be your role uh, at, at this church plant? Yeah, so technically my role will be like the uh, administrative, making sure that the, uh, the church is organized and all of our structures are organized. And I'm going to enjoy freeing up our lead planter to be able to do what he does best, is care for the flock. Sovereign Grace started out as a church plan, essentially. You know, Sovereign Grace, it's a family of churches. So there's churches all over the world, actually. Um, and they've been church planting before church planting was kind of a cool thing. Um, our lead planter is Bill Berry. He's a army chaplain, experienced pastor. They've taken him in. As a, he actually graduated from the pastor's college last year and is now um, part of a cohort in Sovereign Grace where they take church, uh, prospective church planters all over the country. Um, right now, there's about tw- seven or eight of them that they're, they're really pouring into. But Sovereign Grace will fly them out to a, a retreat center kind of quarterly and they'll spend a weekend together um, just really pouring into the, these church planners. What's the city going to be and what's the name of the church? Rogers, Arkansas, uh, Northwest Arkansas. So we're about 20 minutes from the University of Arkansas. Yeah, the name is right now it's called Redeemer Fellowship Church. Um, we're looking to maybe change that. We're kind of talking through that a little bit. There's a lot of fellowship churches in Northwest Arkansas. So how long have you been married, Tim? Yeah, four years of marriage and we've got one daughter. She's two. Um, and then I have a son who will be here in less than a month. So Holy yeah, pretty, God. yeah, it's crazy, man. We're, we're excited. <laughs> you, you said that your dad was married to the ministry and what and in that way wasn't a good husband um what would you say to to pastors to safeguard themselves against doing something like that yeah to be fair as well i want to make make sure i mention this um, both my parents are solid believers love the lord the lord's done a great work in restoration um in, in our family and although my parents are still divorced and remarried now um I've just watched God's grace just really um, be present in their lives. But yeah, so biggest thing I would say, qualification of an elder, you know, um, is that they would be married to one wife, you know, their family would be controlled and, and all that. So the Bible speaks a lot to the, the seriousness of marriage, you know, God's call to us as husbands is to lay our life down as Christ did for the church. And so that's a pretty weighty call. Um the very essence of the Christian faith. Yeah, know when to say no to ministry, to be with your fam. And then uh, as well as if you've got to get out of ministry for the sake of your family, be willing to do that. Um, I think there's not enough guys willing to do that. And there's a wake of kids being hurt and a wake of wives being neglected. So I, I get the struggle, man. I mean, it's a lot easier, and this will sound bad, but it's a lot easier for me if I'm going to sacrifice something. For some reason, I mm. think it's be easier for my wife to sacrifice 
than for someone in the church to sacrifice. And that's not, you know. Mm-hmm. And dude, I'm the same way, man. Even with the, like studies right now, like that's my world is studies and just knowing when to like come home and be all home and not touch the books and walk in the door, turn my phone off. You know, like when I, when I get home, I'm not home to chill, you know, like I come home to serve the three greatest titles anybody could ever give me is a, is a father of Christ, um, husband to Brittany, and then father to Kendall and my daughter. Those are the three greatest titles I could ever get in this life. Everything else is a bonus pastor, whatever, you know, kind of, kind of to that point. Um, I remember, um, listening to a sermon by Paul Washer. He said that generally speaking, if, if you're not going to bed exhausted, you're not mm-hmm. doing your job. Yeah. Like, and like, obviously that, that can be misconstrued and like, you know, taken in a very legalistic way. But I yeah. think the point is right. I mean, and, and you were talking about the house being a haven and stuff. It's a haven because we are the ones that really should be making it into that. Like mm-hmm. it's a big place because we're the ones like here. Yeah. um, Yeah, it's a challenging word, man. I really appreciate it. This is great, Tim. Thanks so much for joining us. And Tim, we'd love for you to join us for the rest of the episode if you have time. Yeah, man, let me get my charger, my battery light. Okay. I'll be right back. All right, right, boys, let's uh, let's dig deep here. Let's uh, let's look at these topics. There there has been a viral video that has taken the internet by storm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's... uh, you could say that it's that it's interrupted our lives, so to speak. Mm, mm. And it's of this uh, CNN uh, news guy. Uh, is a he lives in like was he live in South Korea? And he's a he's like an expert on the culture in South Korea and things like that. And he's doing a newscast. We've all seen we've all seen this. Yeah. Uh, his kids his kids walk in on it. There's been a firestorm of of just reaction and discussion <laughs> that they get mad at him because he tries to push her push the little girl mm. kind of out of the frame uh-huh as as she's dragging the kids out of the room uh the little girl gets pinned against the wall and <laughs> and the bouncer and she kind of just like forces it through you know and, like closes the door all of us, except for one of us, is is a parent. I want to just get some some feedback here and some thoughts. Uh, what do you guys think about this? What do you guys think about the reaction? Josh, why don't you go first, bud? First off, I related to everyone in that video, like, immediately. <laughs> uh, I related to the dad on so many levels. I related to the mom on so many levels. I even related to the kids on so many levels, just as I'm thinking back at myself as a child. This is a very relatable moment, which is why I think everyone likes it so much. So I was really impressed with, with the, the dad's composure. I mean, I, I don't think he had a choice. He was on national television, but um, <laughs> I would have liked to see... You can't just go off on your kids then. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked to see what happened after that you know, the, 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 the shut. He did like a follow up video where he was like laughing about it and stuff. Very good. Was he? Oh, good. Yeah. And he was good. talking about how like the whole time he was trying not to laugh. Good. That's he seemed great. to be a really cool guy. Yes. Yeah, which is great. See, that's 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 great. He just said it was a normal thing that happens. Yep. And like, <laughs> it just happens, and he thought it was funny. 
Yeah. He didn't think that so many people would react to it. So they like turned their phones off for a couple days and just like ignored all the notifications. Uh, his <laughs> wife said something funny. She was like, she was like, usually he has the door locked when he does those things. <laughs> I, I died laughing because I was just like, dude, that's great. Lock the door. Yeah, it was his own fault. You know, you're the one who did that. I do have to say, watch it, which I know Alex, anyways, read Father Hunger by Doug Wilson. You've told me about this, Josh. I need to buy this. I'm going to buy it right now. It's six bucks. It's a $6 book. Oh, man. I honestly, that book. As you see, I'm purchasing it. So, and tweet at me and let me know what you think. So, one of Doug Wilson's purposes is that fatherhood exists because God the Father exists. And so all fatherhood that we see is uh, a derivation, a derivative of God the Father. And so as fathers, uh, we need to represent God the Father to our children. If we can make, as and me as a dad, if I can make an easy transition between me as a father and then when my daughter understands the existence of God, you know, um, the existence of the fatherhood of God. I need to make it an easy transition between me to him. So if if I'm abusive towards her, that's going to carry baggage into her understanding of God as a father. If mm. I if she feels like she can't ever talk to me because I'm too busy, that's going to carry over into baggage of who God is as a father. So I need to make that transition very easy. And so um analyzing it from that perspective am i am i lying about who god the father is or am i telling the truth about who god the father is um and and everything i do doug wilson has a great line he says the the infant who is rocking the crib at 3 a.m is learning about who god the father is yeah and the way i yeah. interact with that with that child so mm. looking at it from that with that angle with that perspective which i think is a really good perspective i have to say i cringed when the dad push the little girl away like that was like that was the only thing for me was like i really wish like and like i uh, if i was on live tv i'm not saying i would do anything better because there's a lot of pressure in that moment but i think that probably the thing that would have reflected who god the father is more would be if he had just picked her up sat her on his lap knowing that the mom was going to come in eventually yeah, Dude, I don't know, man. I don't know if I agree with that. Mm. But can we? I I really think that, that he did push her away. But when you say push her away, it sounds a little more forceful than what he actually did. I think he very gently, like, yeah. Did you see that other uh, like, that other video? Her back. It's not like he like literally pushed her. I didn't see the other video with him. No. He said that like he's familiar with the way CNN treats those sort of things. And usually what they'll do is they'll shrink the frame. Oh, okay. So he was trying to get her into a place where she wouldn't be in the frame. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. But I think, but, I think principally, though, Josh, I, I'm kind of with you there, man. Principally. Have you read a lot of Wilson at all? You know, I've, 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 I've kind of dabbled with some Wilson. Yeah, he, he has a really cool, unique writing style. So does, his, so, so does his son, N.D. Wilson. So Death by Living, I've read that. It's amazing. That's, that's a, a great one. book. That's the one I've read. I've read it probably two or three times. At least yeah, it's a very good book. It needs, yeah, it's a book that needs to be reread, I think. I've only read it once, but I'd like to read it again. It's just, and again, like, it's so funny because I'm not a dad. I'm not married. 
Um, so my anxieties in life are pretty limited as to the fact that I'm only responsible for myself right now. But um, it's really interesting because he just tells you a story. He just tells you stories about when things just go absolutely terrible. Hmm. But the fact that like you can either really freak out about it and get really stressed or you can just laugh because you know it's going to be okay. It's just that's just life. Like the story about his kids barfing on the plane. The way mm. he wrote it was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. But if that was me, I would have been like really grossed out and like stressed, but he was just like yeah. I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah, that's great. They're just like projectile vomiting like through down the hall as I'm trying to get off the plane like <laughs> So funny. Oh my gosh. You know, I, I love the the Keller quote in it, which I'm just gonna kinda paraphrase it, that um only a child would dare wake the king in the middle of the night for a glass of water. So mm. like it just, it just is a really cool like inside That's look really good. into um how we can be with God and um and in the innocence of 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 a child. Those kids still have no idea anyone else was in the room, and they don't care. Yeah, they, they have yeah. no clue. All they knew was their dad was there, and they wanted to be with him. Yeah, mm-hmm. beautiful. It's cool. Yeah, that's really good. Um, uh, boys, uh, Daniel sent us this, this article. Um, I really appreciated it. It was about uh, Daniel. Do you want to go ahead and summarize it for us? I don't know. It was really perplexing to me. Yeah. I didn't know how to take the article and the way that I the way that I came upon it was from someone who shared it and what they said when they shared it was I'm so glad that God's grace has kept me from ending up like this. Mm. This is basically what they said mm. and then they shared this article with about, you know, quote unquote the liberal left Christian which really technically just equates to anyone who's a millennial and theologically uninformed. Mm. Yeah. That's what I felt. That's what I felt the article was saying that equals a liberal left Christian. And I don't, I, I, I feel like that's not the whole story. I feel like maybe that, that kind of broad brushes a lot of Christians who are just immature, but not necessarily doctrinally heretical. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? So, so the article criticizes the overreaction to the quote-unquote right or like the dogma like the dogmatic on the non-essentials and things like that by going theologically liberal now we're not talking about like politically conservative or liberal but like theologically liberal and it put this article out what was the it was some random blog wasn't it yeah it was charisma magazine yeah okay dot com it says uh, how the christian left is twisting the gospel yeah. So they said that there's so, three types of Christians, which is also kind of funny to me because I'm like, I feel like there's a million different types of Christians. But <laughs> they said there's couch potato Christians, um, Christians who adapt to the culture by staying silent on the tough culture and faith discussions. There's cafeteria style Christians, uh, the group that picks and chooses which scripture passages to live by. And then, of course, there's convictional Christians. Mm. It's funny because it's like, okay, so we're only going to paint like one one side and then we'll talk about like the in-betweens, but we won't go all the way to the left, even though we just said that everybody else was on the left. Yeah. Like what was was confusing? So what I think the article does that's confusing is 
it doesn't give specifics. It, it which which is pretty typical in my experience of people who are extremist fundamentalists to the right, is they just talk about these generalities of, uh, and they kind of conflate issues with like they'll conflate tattoos and liberal theology. Yeah, that's that's a good point, dude. And I think yes. that that's what this does. Is I, I didn't know who they were talking about. Like at some points, I was like, I think they're talking about me, and then other times I was like, Oh wait, no, they're talking about people who are like go to Rob Bell's church, and I just I couldn't tell. I didn't know. I was really confused. Mm. Dude, if there's one yeah. thing that needs to be said about that type of writing is that specific clarity goes a long way. You know, mm. like I hate yeah. generalities. I really do. Like. I, when people come to to like talk to me about something and they talk in generalities, I'm like, what is specifically is happening in your life? Like what mm. is going on mm. is not helpful to try to be general with people. So, I mean, I think what really got me was like the comments that people were writing about the article. Mm. Um, I didn't read the comments. So. It was very much like it, it was the comments on the person who shared it. Um, is very much like, yeah, thank God that's not me, you know, but by slapping, like, mm. by God's grace, you know, instead of having a more, like, formative conversation where they dialogued about what the article talked about, it was much more like, oh, good, the article said that I'm on this scale, so I'm good, but I don't think that that's necessarily helpful. Dude, this is what, this is what's so interesting to me, is that today's, so today's Jesus parable about the publican and the tax collector no, who is it? The the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee and the publican. The publican, yeah. And so the the prayer of the Pharisee is, uh, I thank God that I'm not like that man. Yeah. Thing is that that prayer is said by so many Christians today that I thank you that I'm not like that man who's a deep sinner. Not God mm-hmm. be merciful to me a sinner. But I think the opposite is true too. So. I think, mm-hmm. honestly, I feel like the biggest new prayer of the Pharisee is, God, I thank you that I'm not like that person who, not a, not a, not a legalist, or not, not, a, not someone of license, right. but someone who's a legalist. God, I thank you that I'm not a legalist like that person. And so I think mm-hmm. that uh, from the verses, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And so I think that there's, there's been a, a huge shift in that, that license is the new legalism. I think that from both sides reading an article about the quote unquote evangelical Christian left, there's, there's something we got to learn here that the examine the, the Christian is one who examines his own heart and says, God be merciful to me a sinner. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. This it, wasn't a helpful article. It brings some good points to the table. Yeah. It shows inconsistencies, but <laughs> There, there are better, there are better things out there for sure. No, I just was, I really liked what you said, Josh. I was, uh, I actually was, I read this quote that really stuck out to me the other day. Um, pull up here. This is by, uh, you know, Luther. He said some good things here and there. I'll read this real quick. It's out of this little book called The Cross He Bore. Highly recommend it. It's uh, Meditations on the Sufferings of Christ. Um, I've been so affected by this book, man. We must pay our debts. About the time of Luther's death, a piece of paper was found in his pocket, on which he had written in Latin and German. I'm not going to try to pronounce the wording there. I'll get to the translation. This is the translation. This is true. We are all beggars. 
And uh, I think that kind of picked up a little bit of what you were saying, Josh. Um, just kind of like that whole mentality of like, you know, we're all we're all beggars trying to help each other find bread. There was a time in my life, and this is kind of going back to my story a little bit. There was a time when I would say, God, please don't let me be like my dad. You know, and with the divorce, mainly with the divorce, not not all the qualities, but just with the divorce. And then I got to a place where I was like, God, please have mercy on me, Lord. So I don't, you know, if I, if I, you know, if I'm faithful to my wife, it's by your grace, it's by your mercy, you know. So having a kind of a beggar mentality, like I'm begging the Lord for help, you know. Um, That's good, Tim. I mean, I think I think we're all really good at keeping things well in clear vision and kind of like pushing to the peripheral the things mm-hmm. that we struggle with and we naturally do those things well and um and it's just when we spend our time comparing ourselves to others mm-hmm. it's just totally waste because we need to be yeah. trying to strive to be like christ sure. and yeah we have endless endless things we need to work on um when it comes to trying to to be holy like like he was holy so yeah. that's good but all right boys any last thoughts yeah i'll say this guys this has been a this has been a really fun time i've enjoyed this uh i really appreciate you guys having me on seriously mm-hmm. dude you just tasted the waters my friend we yeah yet to swim <laughs> well hey this well, is great you guys keep it up we'll seriously. have to kind of we'll kind of have to track we'll kind of have to track with your ministry man Maybe we'll have you on when you graduate and you know, when you guys move down there and stuff, just to kind of keep, yeah, I would love that. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah I'd love to keep in touch with you guys. And um, yeah, it's really, well, really good. You guys had me. We'll have our people talk to your people. Find time <laughs> in your schedule, find time in our schedule, have them talk. We'll see what happens. Then the yeah, that great. yeah. Thanks. Josh. Yeah, we'll begin and uh, you know, we'll be in negotiation for a while. Mm-hmm. We'll get it all yeah. Figured. That sounds good. Tim, Tim has agreed to sponsor our podcast, uh, you know, for the rest of <laughs> our lifetimes. So yeah. he's written you know, us back. Oh yeah, yeah. With all that, with all that extra money from the stocks, right. royalties, the royalties. That's right. That's right. Well, we've we've agreed to advertise for Campbell's Soup uh, because Tim Campbell, not to be confused with, you know, the Campbell's company, is coming up with his own line of soups. Mm. Is what I've heard. That's right. And so we have agreed to advertise for Campbell's Soup, and in return, he's going to pay for our podcast. That's right. That's right, guys. Yeah, you got it. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) Well, uh, Tim, are you familiar at all with The Office? Yes. Yes, I am. Um, Our sign-off is from an episode where Michael is going to New York to to, – uh, interview for a job that he is all too sure that he's going to get. <laughs> oh, yes, I've seen this episode. It's very good. Yeah. So he, like, totally starts saying his goodbyes and stuff at the office. And um, he ends with saying – he gets this, like, tape recorder out, starts playing this music, and he says uh, good night and good luck. <laughs>